Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's October 19th, 2023, and this is Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in the crypto space. I'm Matthew Hells Barbie, and as always, I'm here. After a maybe a two, maybe even three week hiatus, we've both been really busy, <laughs> but we're back. I'm back with Austin Knight. How you doing, Austin? I'm good, Matt. Uh, I made it all the way back from Brazil, took a stop in NYC for a bit, and I'm back home. And I just couldn't be more pumped at the news when I got home that the BlackRock ETF was approved. That's the best, you know, that's the best thing. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I can't believe that my uh, my comments in the private Telegram group with the Cointelegraph team actually paid <laughs> off and they uh, they tweeted about it. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing, you know. Uh <laughs> I just wanted to liquidate a bunch of people. That was my motive, really, in all of this. Uh, for any of you listening, um, you may have noticed on Monday that there was quite a nice little rally in Bitcoin. Well, this was because the highly esteemed media publication, Cointelegraph, uh, incorrectly reported that the BlackRock ETF had been approved. Of which it had later came out that their source was from some guy in a Telegram chat. You know, uh, as all uh, as as all great sources are found. Um, but wow, it's been a it's been a it's been a you know an eventful few weeks. We've got the ongoing soap opera of the FTX and well SBF trial, which. Surprisingly, we're not going to dig into today, but I, we promise you all we're going to do some digging into into that. The markets have been pretty wild outside of outside of crypto. I think the the ten year Treasury yields is just about hit five percent as we speak. And you know, I was I was looking we'll, uh, not to sidetrack too much here, Austin, but I was looking because today. The 30-year fixed rate mortgage uh, rate in the U.S. has just hit 8%, which is wild, yeah. right? And I thought, yeah. you know, I'm just going to have a little look at the the time series of this, this mortgage rate. And I found something pretty unbelievable, right? So in the past 33 months, right, it's like just over two and a half years, the average, like, 30-year fixed rate mortgage in the US has gone from being the lowest rate in over 50 years in Jan 2021 to being the highest rate in 23 years, which is now. What an unbelievable high and low in such mm. a short period of time. It it's it, it's unbelievable. I can't even imagine if you're like a first-time buyer trying to get on the housing market in the US right now. It's basically just not possible. Yeah. Well, I promise you that we're going to have a soft landing, Matt. I mean, that's what, that's what the, I, <laughs> that's what Thanks, Mr. Saying. Powell. And, <laughs> yes. And we also will not have a recession because every time that we get into a recession, we'll just change the definition of what a recession is and it'll all be fine. <laughs> well, you know, that's the American dream. That's what I hear. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, it's um, it's 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 a roller coaster ride out there. Um, oh, and you know, we're also maybe on the verge of World War Three, so at least there's some silver <laughs> linings in this. <laughs> uh, on a slightly lighter note, let's jump into our first story of the day. 
Reddit has faced some pretty steep kind of criticism and is uh, now coming under fire a little bit because the, uh, you know, the the big crypto advocate Reddit uh, that had been doing a ton of great stuff. They've been launching all their NFTs. They have been taking a look at their community point system onto the blockchain. Well, they're shutting it down. They are killing their com- crypto community points uh, tokens. And that is happening in less than a month. It's kind of shocked a lot of the, the Reddit community. And why why is this important, right? Why are we talking about this, right? So, so Reddit launched this community point system back actually in like May 2020. And this was a big deal because they were ERC-20 tokens. They were on the Ethereum blockchain. And, you know, they, they were held inside Reddit's non-custodial crypto wallet. That's the Reddit vault, if you've ever used it. And you could redeem these tokens or transfer them out of of Reddit and trade them, right, for perks on Reddit, like badges, emotes, gifts, like other features, a bunch of other stuff. And Reddit was like really widely praised for doing this. They were an early adopter. They were a supporter of the blockchain space. And this was actually prior to just like the insane NFT bonanza that happened later that year. So they were really, they were doing a lot to push the technology forward. Um, And, you know, the the whole focus of this was to reward contributors on their their platform. I thought it was great. The point system will now be sunset on November 8th. And uh, it was interesting because Reddit, the exec team, and some of their PR team came out and they said, though the moderator, this is a quote, though the moderators and communities that supported community points have been incredible partners, as it's evolved, the product is no longer set up to scale. Um, and then they went on to add, the resourcing needed was unfortunately too high to justify. And, and I think this is the most important piece, the regulatory environment has since added to that effort. So I think it seems like, you know, the added pressure coming from the SEC in the US is a big driving force behind Reddit actually sunsetting this program. And what you and I, I no doubt, will will be privy to here, Austin, is that, you know, very publicly, Reddit have been in the long process of packaging up their company for an IPO. So I imagine this is, mm-hmm. you know, playing a big role in that. Um now, there's been a lot of backlash, uh, backlash in all this, but I think a lot of the community feels like the rug's been pulled under them. The key thing here is that off the back of this, several subreddits had launched their own tokens off the back of kind of the community points being launched. Not only that, Reddit only recently did this massive migration. I think we covered this on the podcast earlier this year onto the Arbitrum, on, on Arbitrum's Nova blockchain, which I think is like one of their side chains. Um, so they did this huge migration, loads of work involved. It was a huge boon for the, the Arbitrum ecosystem. Um, and then you have the, the, the subreddit, our cryptocurrency, which has their moons token. And then our Fortnite BR, which has its BRICS token. And then I think there's the ETH trader uh, subreddit, which has much smaller token and donuts. These bricks and moons in particular have been listed on major exchanges. There's been like a lot of fanfare around them. This this announcement went out, I think it was yesterday or no, maybe it was Tuesday night. And yeah, those tokens have just sold off 
heavily. They're down like 60, 90%. Um, and what Reddit have said is that these tokens will no longer be visible in the in the uh, Reddit Vault wallet. Um, but transfer functionality seems to remain for users. Uh, what a lot of kind of questions are coming out is like, what is Reddit going to do with the community points like smart contract? They're going to send that to like a burn address. Like how, how, there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think what a lot of people are going to be paying close attention to is to see what Reddit will be doing with their NFT or should I say digital collectibles uh, after all of this, because they have launched a lot of those and they haven't mentioned those as part of this, but clearly all related. So I would say a step back in progress for larger mainstream adoption or i mean mainstream is maybe a big word with reddit i don't think there's anything mainstream about reddit but at least a non-crypto native uh large community adopting it what's what's your take on this austin feels very regulatory driven it it definitely does and i think that you know in, in that respect this is uh just one more sort of uh you know, uh, unfortunate uh, casualty of the unclear regulatory environment that we've been facing for years at this mm. point. Um, but I, I still do kind of question Reddit's approach to this. If I understand correctly, Matt, when they say that it's that community points are going to be completely sunset, uh, does that mean that basically, commu- like, if you have a bunch of community points, they're going to completely go away and like. You yeah. can't convert them to anything. You can't redeem them for anything. Like, what's that going to look like for people that really bought into this system? And shouldn't Reddit have some type of way to convert it into something that maybe isn't a token, but is some other, you know, e- even piece of value on the platform? Uh, yeah, it, it just seems... I, I assume they're going to do something like that. But that's where a lot of the uncertainty is. It was very vague, right? Uh because I, I'm, I'm going to assume there's some kind of like, they're just going to pull this back into like traditional karma uh, system mm-hmm. or something like that. But it was very vague. People were kind of confused by it. Like, are these just going to get, but I mean, the whole <sighs> overhauling any kind of reward system is a huge, huge task to literally sunset something is yeah. In a community is well, it's, 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 it's a very, very challenging thing to do. Um, irrespective of whether this is crypto. So it does leave a lot of people, and especially those subreddits that kind of launch these tokens, really being pushed by Reddit as well, scratching their head, wondering like, you know, surely they knew a lot of the risks going into this. They were a first mover. They knew what they were getting themselves into. I definitely don't buy the resourcing kind of... um, excuse that which is too many resources etc etc well you know you're still going to have uh, a community rewards and points team somewhere i just don't buy that they would I, I think the sunsetting job would be an even bigger one to be honest yeah it's uh we'll, we'll have to see how this this comes out um to me like this is a big bummer you know i yeah. i know that you said oh reddit's not like this mainstream thing i th- i think it's a pretty mainstream platform. I mean, it's one of the yeah. the, the highest trafficked sites on the internet. Uh, it's a huge, huge app with 
huge amounts of DAOs, very engaged users. The day that my wife downloaded the Reddit app onto her phone, I was like, okay, it's mainstream at this point. Yeah. Uh, so to see this, you know, kind of uh, the, for, for them to backpedal on what was, you know, at the time when it was announced, a really exciting uh, announcement for broader adoption in the space, especially the fact that they weren't calling these things, you know, tokens and NFT and and they were, they were, you know, making it a a little bit more palatable to the average person. And, and it was less about the technology and more about the utility. Um, That was exciting. So it's a bummer to see where this has ended up. Yeah, for sure. We'll keep an eye on it. I'm interested to see how they manage this whole process and I'm sure there's going to be a few additional steps of controversy that, uh, that that crop up. But anyway, speaking of controversy, uh, let's dive into our second story of the day. If you listen to this podcast regularly, if you're involved in the space, a question that you've probably gotten a lot recently is, hey, what's going on with that thing with crypto potentially being involved in the Israel Palestine Hamas conflict. Uh, did did Hamas actually use crypto to fund its attacks? These are things that you've probably been hearing from people that are less involved in the space lately. They're curious because they're hearing in media and from politicians that crypto is being used to fund the conflict. In fact, on Wednesday, a bipartisan group of 29 U.S. senators and 76 representatives led by Senators Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown sent a letter to President Biden's top advisors, one, demanding answers as to the role played by crypto in sponsoring the attacks on Israel, and two, uh, they pushed the White House on plans to prevent crypto finance terrorism in the future. Uh, Now, it is true that Hamas has used crypto as a funding tool since 2019, Uh, But the question is, how much of a role and really what role is crypto actually playing in this conflict? It's been interesting to see this unfold. Uh, Recently, a group of analysts who track Hamas funding have begun to push back as some of the data as to crypto's role in funding the conflict has started to show that crypto actually isn't playing that large of a role. And it doesn't pose a greater threat to safety than other forms of banking. Uh, there are some interesting. The, that's the quotes. key piece, right? That's that's the key mm-hmm. piece, right? It's like crypto doesn't pose a greater threat to safety than other forms of banking. I know you, we're going to dig a little bit more into this, but the fact that we are saying analysts who track Hamas funding, right? Like crypto has to be one of the easiest forms of funding to track because it is literally on a decentralized public ledger and i I think like the notion that people have that especially a few steps removed from the technology is that you can just get something on the blockchain and it's super secret and it's like you know cash under the under the mattress and it just couldn't be further from the case um it's the reason why when we talk about things like the Lazarus Group in North Korea. We, I mean, we can track pretty much to the exact amount how much they have they have taken and how much they currently own and what they're doing with it. Now, can we stop it? Now, that's a little bit more challenging, and there are things that that can be done. Um, but I think that there's just like this mixture of 
crypto is definitely a form of uh, a a form of funding that is more ripe for being exploited, as in like we've seen major kind of cyber terror groups actually like exploiting smart contracts and other areas to steal crypto. Is it a wonderful and like super secretive form of funding? I think they're two very, very different things. I just want to like call that out because I think it gets mixed together, which is just like the age old, like Bitcoin is only used by criminals kind of mantra that's that's spewed out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's unpack these these two statements around the data showing that crypto isn't playing a large role and then the fact that crypto doesn't pose a greater threat to safety than other forms of banking. So Ari Redboard is the global head of policy at TRM Labs. If you're not familiar with TRM Labs, it's a blockchain intelligence firm that tracks crypto-related crime. And he said, quote, crypto makes up a very, very small part of a much larger fundraising picture when it comes to Hamas. Uh, TRM tracks and analyzes data from potentially crime-affiliated digital wallets on blockchains, which, as we all know, are public immutable ledgers that record crypto crypto transactions, as Matt was, was sort of unpacking here. That transparency makes it easier for law enforcement to identify wallets and get the centralized crypto exchanges to freeze funds than it is for them to monitor and control traditional banking accounts, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And in fact, American and Israeli officials have seized funds in hundreds of crypto wallets associated with Hamas already. This has been going on for quite some time. Um, And Ari continued to say, quote, you can't do that in the traditional world where you're seeing networks of Hawalas and shell companies and uh, bulk cash smuggling going on. If you're not familiar with what Hawala is, it refers to an informal method for transferring money without moving any funds. This is something that's been happening for millennia. Um, and in fact, this is this is backed up by former CIA director Michael Morrell, who previously called Bitcoin, quote, a boon for surveillance that should be embraced by governments around the world. Um, Ari continued to say, quote, there are illicit finance risks in every financial system, but there's no talk about taking down the banking sector because hmm. banks are being used to transfer funds to Hamas. Um, I, mean, I think see, that this we've is... seen this outside of this conflict, right? With, uh, I mean, how many times have we heard major bank has been found to fund terrorist organization X, right? We had the mm-hmm. HSBC scandal with the Mexican drug cartels not that long ago. Not a whole lot got done about that. And I would argue it's much easier for someone to make a case for shutting down a uh, public company than it is to shut down a form of technology. Uh, So I I think there's just this double standard. And I think it is important, very important, that we look critically, I think, not rose-tinted glasses into this. Because if cryptocurrency is being used in a very significant way to fund... Um, terrorist organizations or other kind of militias, whatever, um, inside and outside of this this particular conflict. Things need to be done about that. But the, the great thing about this is there are ways that we can keep tabs on this. There are ways and actions that we can take that are available to us in ways that in the traditional financial sector are not. And 
what we see is like much more transparency versus like this opaqueness that, that happens behind closed doors. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question that crypto is being used to to fund terror organizations like Hamas in the same way that the traditional banking sector is being used to fund traditional uh, or to, to fund terror organizations like Hamas. Uh, the question is, what is the role? How big is the role? And as a result of that, what is the appropriate response? Um, Sheila Warren, the CEO of the Crypto Council for Innovation, which is a lobbying group, uh, said, quote, it's not US-based exchanges that are the problem. It's offshore. And the more you offshore this technology, the more you're open, opening up the aperture for terrorists to use it. That's just a fact. And I think that's a really good point. The point that that she's making here is, you know, it's it's not Coinbase <laughs> that's yeah. that's being used to fund Hamas. It's small exchanges that are either knowingly or unknowingly, but, you know, regardless, are not being regulated by the United States. That's the key piece. That's the key piece. Yes. They are either knowingly or unknowingly being used as a vehicle to to transfer these funds. And they're offshore. And because they're offshore, the U.S. can't regulate them. We can't do anything about it. The more that we make it harder to operate in in the U.S., the more we encourage exchanges to operate offshore. And then we have no ability to to control these these exchanges where funds are being funneled to Hamas. So and that's I, the irony. ironically that's <laughs> yeah. the irony of it. Exactly. Ironically, Elizabeth Warren is is making an argument against her own policies here. And yep. by the way, what whatever the role that crypto is playing in funding Hamas, I would I would wager a sizable bet that it is nowhere near the the multitude of unfreezing 6 billion dollars of, yeah. of of U.S. assets uh, and to giving Iran. them to Iran, okay? Yeah. So maybe that's what Elizabeth Warren should be focusing her, her time and attention on a little bit more is is the $6 billion that we're unfreezing for, for the Iranian regime. But I guess that that's not very, you know, politically advantageous for her. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, so there, there was an interesting, uh, really, you know, chain, chain analysis. I love this, this uh, data analysis group. They, they came out with a report titled, quote, Correcting the Record. Inaccurate methodologies for estimating cryptocurrencies' role in terrorism financing, and this really gets at the core of, of what I'm talking about. With like, it, it's not a question of whether crypto is being used to fund terror groups like Hamas. It's a question of like, how big is is their role, and as a result of that, what's the appropriate response? So, hmm. Chainalysis dug into this and they looked at the Chainalysis reactor for counterparties to a wallet that was known to be affiliated with terror financing. So Chainalysis is like tracking all of these different exchanges and wallets and things like that. And they said, let's jump in and look, we know that this wallet is is involved in terror financing. Um, Let's look at the exchanges that it was, or or basically everybody that it was interacting with, which could potentially be exchanges. Uh, And they found at least 20 suspected service providers. They pulled one out and it was a, an address that processed over 1,300 deposits and 1,200 withdrawals in seven and a half months. And then in the report, they said, quote, of the roughly $82 million in cryptocurrency received by this address, about $450,000 worth of funds were transferred from the known terror-affiliated wallet. The person or group of people controlling it is likely not the same person that controls the terror-affiliated wallet, but is rather a service provider that knowingly or unknowingly facilitated the terror financing activity. So what they're saying here is like this intermediary is probably some type of of an exchange that doesn't realize they're even participating in this. And they had $82 million going through that exchange. $450,000 
450k of it what it looks like was involved in some form of of, of you know terror related uh funding but to which, the in, the, which in the grand eye, scheme of things which in the grand scheme of things while we don't want any money going to terror financing is a drop in the ocean right like it's, it's a drop in the ocean right but the, here's the important thing to the untrained eye if you look at this it might appear that that full 82 million dollars worth yeah. of crypto was raised for terror financing in that example but it's much more likely that just a small portion like that 450k of those funds were intended for terrorist activity and the majority of the funds were processed uh, through, through the suspected service provider were actually unrelated. And then yeah. they, they went on to say, quote, we have seen recent estimates related to the attacks on Israel that appear to include all flows to certain service providers that receive some funds associated with terror financing. In other words, those totals include all funds, even funds not explicitly related to terrorism financing. So it's, if, just, if not, you were to it's just, just not an accurate way to look at it, right? You, you, you're just yes. taking like, you're looking at trading volume. It's like saying, okay, yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of bought and sold a thousand bucks of uh, worth of ETH a um, hundred times. So, you know, I've, 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 I've actually pros I've sent over a uh, hundred thousand dollars worth of ETH. It's like, no, I've just been pushing a hundred thousand dollars worth of volume, but there's, there's only a thousand bucks, a thousand dollars worth going on here. It's, like, it's just like, a, I, I appreciate that like a lot of this analysis that's done is done in a very high level way. And it's hard for companies that aren't like Chainalysis, right. That have the sophistication to do forensic analysis on the blockchain. The problem is that, you know, it's so easy to just draw up a quick headline like this and make, you know, crypto the enemy and and it diverts the attention away. Less so like making crypto like the enemy here and more, it, it, it changes the narrative away from something that's actually much more important than, than this. And that's the frustrating part. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're actually being way too generous here, Matt. I think that uh, it, there's, there is, uh, you know, an absolute attempt to get the big headline, to get the shock and all, to get the clicks, and to push an agenda. Uh, and I think that, you know, to, to go from like 450K of, of you know, a terror-funded money, which nobody's really going to care about, to 82 million, like, let's just lump it all together. That's where you're going to get your big headline. And that's where these uh, these huge headlines that, that we're seeing in mainstream media around crypto's role in funding Hamas, or at least the claims of crypto's role in funding Hamas, it seems to be that that's where these are, are coming from. And when you dig in deeper below the surface, what you find is that the estimates that we're seeing, they assume that all flows through service providers that have processed any illicit transactions are 100% illicit, when in reality, yeah. it's just a fraction of them. That, that this, this is the, the, the sort of, I guess, realization that I have had multiple times throughout my career, whenever I have worked very closely and intimately with something, and then it gets reported in mainstream media, and I realize how far off the mark <laughs> they are, and how little they actually dug into the the material at hand to understand it before they started reporting on it. And then you start to think like, oh, wait a second, all of these other things that I'm not an expert on that I'm reading in the mainstream media, the same thing is happening there. So I, I think that 
this is, you know, an interesting example that you can go to your friends, your family, whoever it is that's asking about this and say, hey, we don't know for sure, but there is most likely more to this story than, you know, these big headlines that, that we're seeing. And there is some data that's coming out to indicate that. Yeah, and I think it's very convenient for a, a government administration to put a big chunk of the blame on a stateless technology around the funding <laughs> of terrorist organizations versus act actively pointing the finger at maybe other regimes or other groups that maybe, you know, will cause some political friction. So I, I think like questioning the in, in incentives here, I think Elizabeth Warren clearly is has positioned herself um, rightly or wrongly uh, in the camp firmly against crypto and will uh, dine out on, on anything uh, related to anti-crypto sentiment. I'm sure the, the SBF case will be another big example of that, but I think the most important thing in all of this is, you know, we, we can't dismiss the criticisms that can come of this technology. And we've yeah. had, you know, a lot of like what we're talking about here around the ways in which this technology is a lot more transparent, can potentially be stopped a lot easier. We've been on the other side of this argument as well, right? Of like the tornado cash situation and how sanctions can be used in certain ways that maybe we disagree with, maybe we agree with, right? And that there's there's two sides to all this, but I think what happens a lot of the time is with crypto and in many cases, broader uh, financial services, they're complicated. They're really difficult to understand. It's actually mm -hmm. very hard for even those in financial services to do their due diligence on crypto related analysis because it's quite specific specialized and kind of like there's a small group of uh, people that can actually really do this at scale so uh, i think that's where this all kind of comes out and we we get a lot of uh narratives but what i will say is expect more of this narrative to really start heating up and i i do hope that we get more empirical data to to support um some of the the narrative around this in the in yeah the i i completely agree and i think it's a great point you know for us in this community we have to hear this criticism we have to take it seriously there e even if this is you know 80 percent uh over an over inflation of the issue the 20 percent kernel of truth matters and and we should care about that it is mm -hmm. it is a reality that crypto is being used to fund terror groups and and that's something that within our space we have to wrestle with and work through. But it's also our responsibility to push back and to educate the public when false claims or inaccurate assessments are being made and to try to help them understand this, to your point, Matt, very complicated set of technology, which whenever something is complicated, it's easy to manipulate the public's understanding of it toward your political agenda or, or for your political will, right? Uh, and w as part of that, we have to point out and call out when that is happening and when somebody is being disingenuous or dishonest, which I think to a certain extent is, is happening here. And I hope that the, the, you know, the, the, the truth will prevail there and the data will help to show that. But regardless, I think you're totally right. Like we have to both take this seriously and also, you know, make the, make the effort and take the stand to push back in, in an ethical way where it makes sense. Uh, so there, there's a, certainly a role to be played here and, um, we're, yeah, we're going to be getting much, much more of this. So, uh, as this, this, 
you know, th th this uh, conflict continues to unfold, I think that uh, there's going to be a, a role for the community to play and helping people to understand, you know, what what role crypto has or has not played in all of this. Couldn't agree more, Austin. All right, let's wrap things up. And uh, of course, we'll see you next week. Contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.